Matthew chapter 5, starting in, in verse 1. Seeing the crowds, he went up on the mountain, and when he sat down, his disciples came to him, and he opened his mouth and taught them, saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted for, persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when others revile you and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account. Rejoice and be glad, for your reward is great in heaven. For so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. I've, I've, I've said it before, uh, just, just kind of a, an, an axiom or something that I, that I heard one time. But they say in real estate, the three most important rules are location, location, location. And in Bible study, the three most important rules to follow are, I thought I'd said it a lot, maybe it sunk in, context, context, context. And the context just, just wraps this teaching up. Remember that, that Matthew is introducing us to, to the Christ, the Messiah. He's writing to a Jewish audience. And it has been very different in, in, in what maybe they would have expected or what we would expect if we were standing outside looking in, that he began with that, that genealogy that, that wasn't just the great kings and the great men of, of Jesus' past that would, have, that would have certainly been the, the way that a patriarchal society would have done it in those days. But he included five women and he included Gentiles and even kings that had sinned to show that Jesus has come as maybe a different type of, 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 of king than the Jews were expected. And then he, then he talked about the, the, the birth of Jesus, the, the Magi coming, these, these foreign wise men who came to visit Jesus while the priests, the Levites, the scribes, the Pharisees, all of the Jewish leaders just sat, waited as if they had no curiosity at all about this one who has been born king of the Jews and, and that Jesus then but went into the wilderness and, and, and was tempted that he, he uh, prior to that, he was baptized by John. Now he, he has begun his, his, his ministry. In the last paragraph of, of chapter 4, we saw where Jesus went through all Galilee teaching in the synagogues, proclaiming the gospel, proclaiming repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand, and that his fame spreads widely. 
It says in all of Syria, which was not just the Syria we know today or the Syria that's north of, of, of Judea, but, but the Roman province of Syria that would encompass all of, all of Palestine. That he says that he healed people from different diseases. In verse 25, he says, Great crowds followed him from Galilee. That's the, the area north of Judea. The, the Decapolis, that's on just south of there, but it's on the east side of the Jordan, from Jerusalem and Judea and from beyond the Jordan. So, so great crowds were following him. You know why? Well, he's healing people from diseases. He's teaching, and, and, and they are marveling at his teaching, but they're, they're, they, they, they are following him maybe for a, a physical reasons or a, a personal reason of what can I get out of it and what can I see? Some entertainment value. It says that he sees our chapter 5. Remember, there are no chapter divisions when Matthew wrote the book or, verse, or verses, but as, as scholars uh, long, long ago have divided it to make it easier to, to keep up with, to make it easier to follow, he says, Jesus saw those crowds following him. You know, how many was it? We don't. We don't know, but you can imagine a, a, a large number. If he's healing people from all these diseases, those who are possessed, those who are having seizures, paralytics, he's healing them. You can imagine that, that there were just scads and scads and you know maybe thousands of people following him. He sees them. What are they expecting? Is, is this the Messiah? Is this the one that God has promised a prophet greater than Moses that's going to come? And when that prophet comes, when that Messiah comes, what's going to happen? He's going to overthrow Rome and he's going to reestablish the Jewish kingdom. And, and, and we're going to be, uh, you know, an independent nation again and we're going to have power and we're going to do all this. So there, there's this expectation of this worldly Messiah. Jesus knows what kind of Messiah he is truly going to be. The crowds don't. They're expecting one thing. So he, he sees them out there. It says that he, you know, he, he, he goes up on a mountain and then he sat down. They, they kind of do things different or did things differently then than, than we do. You know, we, we, this morning I was, I was, it was kind of nice. Eric said, would you stand for the reading uh, of the word? And I know we've been doing that uh, for, for, for a while. But in those days, they would stand and read the word. But then when the teacher was teaching, he sat down. No comments, just, you know, I'm, this, that's just information. But that he sat and, and taught. And, and, and the reason was that it, it, it illustrated that God's Word is more important and powerful and, and, and authentic and authoritative than what the teacher might be saying. You know, and so, so that, that he sat down and, he, and, and, and his disciples came up to them to him. And then it says he opened his mouth, just sort of an idiom of, you know, he began to speak and he, and he teaches them. And here's what he teaches them. And, and, and listen to these. I was, I, I kind of got a chuckle when I was listening to one podcast and, and this preacher said, okay, what I'm going to do is when I read these, I want you to stand up if this fits you. You know, these, and it was all tongue in cheek, you know. I mean, 
I want you to stand up if you are poor in spirit. You know, I think it would be a, a better uh, illustration, and maybe maybe an old-timey evangelist would do it. It's like, sit down if this fits you at the time of invitation. You know, and then everybody is still standing, you know, when the music starts, just as I am, and then they, they have the invitation. But he, but he begins teaching them, and, and these, notice how basically you could divide them uh, and, and, I'm, and there's been probably just dozens and dozens of ways that, that scholars and, and, and preachers have divided them. But the first three are, are principles or, or beatitudes of, of, of need. And, and, and then verse 6 is kind of the central, the hub around all uh, around what what all of them uh, revolve around, and then then the last ones are beatitudes of of action, and so he begins by saying, "Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven." I mean, if you like to underline or circle or highlight, is is a present tense verb. Is is happening now. If you are poor in spirit, you have the kingdom of God now. But maybe we should back up. When, when you hear the word blessed, and is it blessed, or is that too much of a King James pronunciation, or is it blessed? I can't say blessed. I mean, God blessed me. But if you're talking about, you know, somebody's condition, it's like they blessed I don't know, maybe they're, they're being pronounced it either way. But what does it mean when he says, blessed or blessed are? Tell me, tell me what maybe you've, you've studied about it before or heard about. Happy. Okay. Huh? Comforted. But, but do these things, does the word literally means happy? Now, does that make sense? I mean, is that easy to, um, to, to get your brain around? Somebody is happy if they're poor in spirit. Somebody is happy if they mourn. Some, somebody is happy if they, if they are meek. Somebody is happy, you know, jump down to the end if they're persecuted. So, 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 so what then... Can that truly mean, you know, blessed or 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 happy or comforted? It's it's kind of a it's it's a, it's partially a a a state of of mind. The the word is makarios, and it, and it does mean happy. But it's, it's, it's somebody has said that it, that it su suggests to be this way is, is the sort of person who is to be congratulated. Okay, I congratulate you if you're poor in spirit, if, you're, if you mourn, if you're meek, if you're, you know, on and on till we, till we eat, reach the, the, the persecuted. But is, is even that 
like what we would think somebody should be congratulated for. But that, he's saying that you're, you're, in, you're in the right state. It's as if he's saying, happy birthday for those who are poor in spirit. What is poor in spirit? I mean, we know what poor is. I mean, and it's literally meaning bankrupt. You know, congratulations to the one who is spiritually bankrupt. Now, who is spiritually bankrupt? And is that something that you would expect someone to be congratulated for or happy about or, or, con or, or blessed? Remember the context. The Jews are expecting this, this great king to come and overthrow Rome and now he's, he's teaching them, a, a great number of people who have been following him, and he's teaching them and he's telling them about the kingdom of heaven, about what the, the kingdom is going to be. And, and they're hearing this, blessed, happy are those who are in poor in spirit. Poor in spirit is, is when we realize our spiritual neediness or dependence on God. Let that just kind of bounce around inside there for just a little while. If we realize that we are spiritually poor, we're spiritually bankrupt, we're spiritually destitute, it means we have no way of, of pulling ourselves out of that. We, we can't pay for it. And so he's, it's like we see our sinful condition. All of these are, are leading to the next one, that, that they're, they're, they're going to the next, you know, from, from Beatitude 1 to Beatitude 2, all through, you could say 8 or some people say 9, that, that, they're, that, they're, that they're building on each other. And the first thing that Jesus says is that you're to be congratulated if you realize your spiritual neediness, dependence, even depravity. Why? Well, that's the only way that one is going to, to be saved. Is it if we realize that I am, woe to me, I am a sinner. I am undone. I am unclean. I can't do anything about it. And so, so the first thing Jesus says is, is congratulations to those who have realized their spiritual need because they're going to be saved. They... Yes. Yeah, I think I think you could make that that dual uh, analysis or analogy that that and if we see this, God is happy that we have seen that. You know, that it pleases God that, that we have realized, we, our eyes have been opened by the Holy Spirit and realized that I'm a sinful person. I'm, I, I'm, I'm a sinful man. I'm a sinful woman. These, are the, these, these <clears throat> beatitudes are, they're not a way to be saved. They're, they're principles and virtues of 
characteristics of a life that has been saved. Now, they're, they're, these things should be in you because you have received Jesus as, as your Lord and Savior. Uh, D. Martin Lloyd-Jones says they, they are all Christians are to be like this. It, it, it's, not an, it's not a description of an exceptional Christian, you know, that super Christian. It, it's not like you're going to, but all Christians should be like this. And then, you go, and, and then his next point is that a Christian should manifest all of these. You know, it's not, I mean, maybe spiritual gifts. God has, has gifted each of us differently. You know, and, and there are even offices within the church, the pastor, teacher, uh, apostles, that, that, that maybe, yes, you may have one primary spiritual gift, but of the Beatitudes, he, he's saying all of these, every Christian should manifest all of these. So, so in a sense, this is, this is all, this is great. This is good stuff. But on the other hand, it's like we can't attain this naturally. Are, are any of these things, do, do I possess the inner fortitude or the inner desire to, to produce these things naturally of myself? I mean, the answer is no. It's God working that change in our lives that produces this. He's saying, if God has, has moved you in such a way, you are spiritually poor. You, you realize your need, your dependency on God, and then, it, then he moves to the next one. Blessed are those who mourn. This mourning is, I don't think he's talking about the sense that, that we would mourn the loss of our brother, our father, a, a friend, but he's, but he's talking in a spiritual sense that they are mourning their sinful condition. They're mourning the sinful condition of their community. In, in our case, it would be maybe we're mourning the sinful condition of, of the church, the universal church, even our specific church. What examples? We, the last three books of the Old Testament that we looked at each in, in each one of them, the, the namesake for the book mourned the condition of Israel at the time. Remember Daniel, you know, he had, he, he, when, he, when he read of, of, of God's promise through Jeremiah that after 70 years they would return and that he mourned, he put on sackcloth and ashes and he prayed. And, and, and Ezra mourned and grieved and put on sackcloth because of the sinfulness of the, of the nation. And so did Nehemiah. They, they all looked at that sinfulness and they mourned. So how often do we do the first two things? And don't speak out loud. Just think about it. Do, do we consider ourselves poor in spirit? And then do, do we mourn for our own sin? Remember, John the Baptist came, what was he preaching? Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And, and then Matthew says that from that, back in chapter 4, verse 17, from that time on, Jesus began saying, repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. 
And that, 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 that being poor in spirit and being mournful of sin is, is part of what leads to repentance, turning and leaving our sin and, and going back. And then he continues with, Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the, for they shall inherit the world, the earth. What is meekness? This is one I know you've heard this analogy, so I'll give you just like two and a half seconds to tell me what the number one analogy that, that, that either years gone by or maybe last week somebody used to describe meekness. Humility. Humility, okay, I like that one. Is meekness weakness? No. no. Okay, tell me if you've heard this uh, analogy or comparison. <laughs> if you haven't, then you can tell everybody that I made it up. But actually, I heard that meekness, the best, the Greeks used that to describe a horse. A horse that was powerful, strong, trained. No way is that horse weak, but that he's under control. And, 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 and thereby useful. And so that, it, and, it, and it goes with that humility, that idea of humility. That so, so first of all, these, these beatitudes, these, these happy states are that we're poor in spirit. We realize our need, our spiritual condition. We, we're, we're to be congratulated when we mourn because we're going to be comforted. And then we're to be congratulated when we're meek, when we're humble, and when we're, when we're under control, not, not, not docile, but, but that, that we're unassuming. unassuming. Uh, it, it, it contrasts sort of a, a self-assertiveness, but a, an assertiveness toward the cause of Christ, toward the cause of God. It's not that we're, we're asserting ourselves for our own self-gain, but we're like that horse that is, that is being controlled and using his power for his master. And that he's, 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 he's humble and he does what the master says. Those, those are our needs for, spirit, for being poor in spirit to mourn and to be, and to be meek. And then he moves, that, that's probably the center or the hinge um, beatitude for all of them. And, and, and this one is like, how do I do this? Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. Many, many commentaries say it is... It is um, it's a dead metaphor to, to use hunger and thirst in a prosperous society. You know, that we, meaning that we, we don't get it like they got it. You know, that, that we don't get the concept of being hungry and thirsty like maybe people in the first century did or maybe even people in the early 20th century did. But we, but we do know it enough to, to kind of feel like it. Remember when, you know, and after a spread like that, we're, we're not in the least bit hungry, you know. But, but remember a time when you, you just worked, 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 or somehow you didn't have time to eat and you were hungry. Now, the thirst part, that, that's maybe, maybe we would get that more because 
you know, in the, in the Texas heat in the summer and, and we're doing things and you just come in and you're just, what, what is it when you're really thirsty? You know, when you want food, you're, you're really hungry. You're just famished for water or, or starved for water. You're, you're, you, you think, you know, everything is dry. Your, your mouth is dry. Your skin is dry. And you just, he's saying, that type of hunger, that type of starvation, that type of, of, of thirsting, blessed or uh, happy or congratulations to the one who is that way for righteousness' sake. What is righteousness? What does he mean? Right standing. Right standing yeah. with God. That, that's, that's the one that I can get my brain around, you know, that, that I can understand. It's like, do I have this thirst, this incredible hunger for this right standing before God? He's saying, blessed are you, congratulations to you. If that is, that is how you feel, why? Because you're going to be satisfied. That hunger and thirst will be satisfied if you long for, for that right standing before God because you, were, because you were poor in spirit. You were mournful of sin. You were, you were meek, not self-assertive, but seeking after, after God's things, and you hungered and thirsted for righteousness. You're going to be satisfied. We don't use the term righteous that often, but we do use a, a variation of it. That is self-righteous, you know, that, that we, you know, we, we look at, and I don't know if, we, if anybody has ever looked at themselves and said, well, I'm self-righteous. But, but we know people who are self-righteous, or we think we know people who are self-righteous, that, that we say, well, that person, you know, that, that guy, he's just self-righteous, you know, always doing the right thing. But, it, but maybe we should learn to, 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 to look at ourselves, look within and say, Am, am I righteous? I cannot be righteous, but we can apply the righteousness of Christ. It's His righteousness that covers us, that gives us that right standing before God. Do we seek a right standing before God? How do we do that? It goes back to that repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. So, so all of this is, 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 is balled up with covering our sinfulness I'm, 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 I'm depraved, I'm dependent on God, I am poor in spirit, I mourn my, my sin, I seek after His righteousness, then we'll be satisfied. Only then will we be satisfied if, if, if we realize these things. We're saying congratulations to those who, who are like that. And then in, in verse 7, he changes from our, our, from the beatitudes of need to beatitudes of action. If 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 we have done all of those things and 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 applied them and 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 received salvation, then this is how we will be. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. Who who better to be merciful? than one who has received mercy from the holy God. 
You know, that, that, that God has been merciful and saved us, but we're, we still are to be merciful to, to others. You know, forgive us our debts as we forgive those who trespass against us. That was kind of like mixing two translations of the, of the Lord's Prayer. But, you know, that, that we're to be merciful just like God was merciful and we will receive mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart for they shall see, for they shall see God. What does it mean to be pure in heart? Okay, a lot of these I need help on, like, what is that? You know, I mean, righteousness, that was, that's kind of a rough one. And, and, and pure in heart, do we ever think or try, strive to be pure in heart? That that's how, what is, you know what pure is, right? Or do we know what pure is? We know it, but we aren't there. And, it, and it's, it's kind of hard. It's hard. It's difficult for me to explain what pure is, maybe because I'm not, and, and just, you know, lack of vocabulary, you know. Pure is, is it's, it's pure. I mean, and you're not supposed to define a word by using that same word, but, but that it's, it's, Cleansed, clean. clean, you know, refined. It's, and, it, and it goes with the one who mourns for his sin and, and repents and weeps over it that it's a longing to, to, to see God for who he is, that he is pure and, and, and holy. And so Jesus says, congratulations to those who are pure in heart, who do repent and receive that renewed, uh, that, that renewed place, that renewed uh, uh, relationship with God. And then he says, blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. Remember Isaiah 9, 6, he's, Jesus shall be, he, he will be called the Prince of Peace. Has, has the world seen peace since Jesus was crucified, raised from the dead, and, and ascended to heaven? I mean, there's been no worldly peace, but there has been peace with God for those who have received Jesus as their Savior because no longer are we at war with God in conflict with God because our sin separates us, but Jesus brings that peace. And so consequently, we're to be peacemakers. Uh, th those who have peace with God are to, to help make peace. So it's, it's, it's in, a, in one sense, it's, it's in hostile situations, but also it's to help others make peace with God. It's, it's, it, could, it can be, I think encompassed in there, is this call to evangelism, this call to share with other people, be a peacemaker, help others see that they're poor in spirit, 
that, that they should mourn for their sinful condition. Help others see that they need God, that they need forgiveness of sin. And then he gets into, some of these are hard. Did I already say that? I mean, like, what is, what is pure in heart? How, how can we be righteous? The, this, this is either the last one or the last two, depending on, on how you want to look at it. But in, but in verse 10 and 11, Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is, there's that present tense again, kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when others revile you and persecute you and other, utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account. Persecuted is probably another one of those concepts that, that in, in our society, in our culture, is most of the time misused. You know, how so? Well, I, I love the high school, you know, remembrances and, 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 and illustrations. You know, it's like my English teacher just persecuted me because I forgot to turn in my homework, or, you know. That's not what he's talking about, you know. It, it, it's not someone who, because my bad behavior, I, I got in trouble or had consequences. It's, it's not, that's not persecution. Persecution, he says, blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for seeking the things of God, for seeking this rightness with God. Blessed are those who revile you and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil against you on my account, on Jesus' account. So he's saying, if you are persecuted because you stand up for the gospel or share the gospel, we're fortunate, we're blessed. We live in a country, at least today, where we can gather freely you know, can they do that in Nepal? Can they do that in China? Can they do that in, in Russia? Can they do that in Iran, Iraq, name any Muslim country? You know, blessed are those who are persecuted, who are, who are uh, attacked because they are doing things in the name of Christ because Christ is the, the, their government, their society, their people hate him. And, and Jesus is saying, that's going to happen. If they in John, he taught them, if they persecuted me, they are going to persecute you. If they hated me, they're going to hate you if you are truly one of my disciples. And then he, he concludes those happy, those happies, those blesseds, those congratulations. And he says, rejoice and be glad. I mean, we could take, just those two words, you know, because of our condition, our, the spiritual change that Jesus has made in our lives, and we can rejoice and be glad? For your reward is great in heaven. For so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. That he, that he says, these are, the, these are the characteristics of my disciples. These are the virtues once somebody has received that, that new life. You know, the, the, the result, you know, we had the, the, the Beatitudes of need, the, the central point, verse, verse 4 of, of seeking righteousness, the Beatitudes of, of 
of action, and then the, the final two there are just the results. All of that is going, it's go, it, the, the path to peace is going to require conflict. And, and the path that Jesus took for mankind, for humanity to have peace with God was conflict. It was that, that Roman cross. How do we, what conclusion, what can we, um, what can we say about these things or how can we uh, uh, apply them? It, I think it was the ESV expository commentary. It said, do a self-examination over each one of these. Am I poor in spirit? Do I realize that even though God has saved me, I'm, I'm, I'm still a sinful person in need to, to repent? Do I mourn over my sin and over the sin of other people? You know, Or do I take this self-righteous attitude and say, I am so much better than fill in the blank? You know, And, and it, could, it could be like way up the food chain. It could be... Real high in the government, real high in the church, real high in, in, in at work. Or do I do I mourn over that, and and then do I hunger for righteousness? Do I do I self-examine and then do I really hunger for righteousness? This rightness before God. It's not a. I, I think probably for most of us, if not all of us, the. The Beatitudes are not a new, uh, it's not a new passage, you know. It's, it's, it's not in the middle of one of the minor prophets that we rarely read, that we've, that we've probably read this before and, and over and over and he, he even studied it. But it's not, I think it's something that we need to, to consider and, and, and think about and, 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 just examine how am I doing? Am, am I truly meek and humble and, and allowing God to work in my life or am I trying to control what goes on and, and, and be self-assertive for my own personal interests, not for the kingdom of heaven, the kingdom of Christ? Any um, comments or observations or, dare I say, questions? Okay, well, thank you. I, I was really afraid there would be some kind of hard question. Um, but just let it... Be something that maybe we reflect on just how am I doing these things? But because they they are, it's not a list of do these things and you will be saved. It's it's a these are the virtues of that changed life, that that one that that Christ has redeemed. Well, let's pray and then we'll be dismissed. Father, we thank you for your word. God.
we see how Jesus came and, and established what, at the time, the Jewish people established a different type of, of kingdom, the kingdom of heaven, the one that, that is that small rock uncut by human hands that will grow and, and cover the, the whole earth. And God, that as, as, as Jesus taught and then commanded us to, to teach others as we make disciples, may, may we look at these beatitudes, these congratulations or, or states of blessedness, and may it lead us to repentance, to seeking to live a, a, a pure life, to, to apply your righteousness to our lives, that we might be peacemakers not just in a physical sense, but in a, in a spiritual sense that we would share with others how they can have peace with you. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.